Jonah, what is the first word or picture that comes to mind? Fish, whale, exactly. Fish or whale, exactly. When people think of Jonah, they think of the big fish. Uh, now, you, if you don't know the story, let me familiarize uh, you with it. Uh, Jonah is a prophet. God tells him to take a message from God to Nineveh, a foreign city, and, and Jonah does not want to go. And so Jonah goes the other way from the direction God is sending him, and a great storm comes up, and Jonah is hurled into the sea, and a fish comes along and swallows Jonah, and for three days he is in the fish until the fish unceremoniously vomits Jonah back onto dry land. And then Jonah takes off on his mission again to Nineveh. This time he goes and speaks God's word to them, Nineveh repents, and Jonah is not all that happy about it. That's the story of Jonah. Um, as you can see, there's a lot more in the story than just the fish. Now, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, my wife and I had the privilege of going on vacation. Every year we go to uh, Cape Cod. We've gone there for years with our kids. We love the Cape. So much to see there. It's beautiful. Um, and in particular on the Cape, we love the beaches. They're beautiful, they're long, sandy, you can, do, you can walk for miles. But to get onto a, uh, a beach at the Cape, you must first walk past a sign. And I, I brought a picture of the sign you must walk past to get onto these, onto these beaches. This is the sign. Welcome to the beach, enjoy the water. There's this big picture of a shark because there's lots of sharks there at the Cape. So especially if it's your first time at the Cape and you see that, it might be in your mind all day when you're at the beach, but there's a lot more to Cape beaches than just sharks. There's the waves, there's the sand, there's the dunes, there's the little fun plovers. Uh, there's so much happening at the beach beyond just the shark. And I think a lot of people when they come to the book of Jonah uh, are only thinking about the fish and they miss so much of what is happening in this book. This is a truly remarkable book of the Bible. Uh, it's a masterful story, and it's primarily a story about the surprising mercy of God. So over the next, uh, well, five weeks counting today, uh, I want us to consider the surprising mercy of God. Today, I'm going to do an intro message. We'll look at Jonah 1, 1 to 4, and then over the next four weeks, we'll look at just one chapter at a time. The book is only four chapters long. Uh, so uh, we'll dive into uh, what God has to tell us about His mercy. Uh, I'm going to invite you to stand with me. I'm going to read Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Uh, once I uh, finish reading, I'll say the phrase, the word of the Lord, and you all can respond back, thanks be to God. Uh, then I'll pray, and we'll, we'll dive into the teaching. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Lord, we do thank you uh, for your word, which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God, help us to receive your word uh, for the grace that it is. Make our hearts fertile soil. And God, I pray that you would shape us today uh, to be more like you, the merciful God who loves us. So please lead us and uh, shape us in this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and sit down. 
Well, this morning I want us to consider the context of this book and then a couple of the key themes that will frame the rest of this teaching series. So first, a little bit of the context. Let's consider uh, who the main character is. Uh, obviously, it is Jonah. Jonah is the prophet uh, uh, that God has called to go to the city of Nineveh. Now, Jonah lived uh, roughly 782 to 750 B.C. Uh, that was during the reign of King Jeroboam. So roughly seven to 800 years before the coming of Christ. And um, uh, he was sent from God to the city of Nineveh. Now, what you need to know about Nineveh is that it was a very powerful city. It was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And um, so this was kind of the, the main um, city of, the, of, of that day. You see how large the scope of the Assyrian Empire was, all the way down to Egypt, all the way over to the Persian Gulf, up into modern-day Turkey. Uh, it was a large and powerful empire. And God was sending Jonah to go to its capital. I'll talk to us a little bit more in a minute here um, about what the culture of Nineveh was like, but we'll hold off on that. What I want us to consider today, uh, the primary question, is what is so surprising about God's mercy in the book of Jonah? What's so surprising about it? Because I think the, uh, the person who's written Jonah wants us to be surprised by God's mercy. So four things in particular that we'll consider today and that will frame our, te our teaching series. What is surprising about God's mercy? First, it's the call to mercy that we see right at the beginning of the book. In Jonah 1 verse 2, God says this to Jonah, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. What's surprising about this call? Uh, a few things. First of all, Nineveh was a Gentile city, a pagan city, uh, capital of the Assyrian Empire. It, it, it is not a Jewish city. This is a foreign nation. Now, as far as I can tell, this is the first time in history that a, a Jewish prophet has been sent to a Gentile nation. Now, lots of times a prophet would have prophecies about other nations, but never is a prophet sent to a Gentile nation. This is shocking to Jonah. I mean, he understood getting messages from God for God's people. He even understood getting messages from God about other nations. He did not get being sent to a foreign nation with God's message. So Nineveh was a pagan Gentile city, and this has not happened in history before. Now, secondly, uh, not just was it a Gentile pagan city, it was an evil city. And when I say evil, I mean, that word was used. Uh, God said the evil had come up before him. I mean, we're talking a terribly violent, terribly immoral, terribly corrupt city. I mean, historians tell us of how horrific um, this culture was. Uh, they routinely waged wars of conquest, advancing their empire, and when they captured um, uh, other combatants, uh, they would often have horrible means of torture, flaying them alive, um, making their, the, the uh, captives' families uh, carry their heads around. I mean, it was horrible torture that this empire inflicted on the other nations. A matter of fact, there was a famous painting, a controversial painting, done in the 1800s uh, called uh, The Death of King Sardanapalus, uh, who is uh, rumored to be the last king of Nineveh. And in this painting, 
the artist is telling the tale of this king because enemies were at Nineveh and he knew they were going to be overthrown. And so he gathered uh, into his bedroom all of his wives, all of his possessions, horses, and he wanted everyone to die with him. And so he, he, his last act is to murder everyone and then to go up and fire with all his possessions. This is the culture of Nineveh, all right? It's a terrible, terrible place. And Jonah thinks, why am I being sent here from God? A pagan city, an evil city. Third thing to know is that Nineveh was Israel's enemy. It's not just that they were a foreign nation out there that was bad. Already three times at least in Israel's history, Assyria has invaded uh, Israel. There's been armed conflict. And now at this point, Israel is paying Assyria tribute. I mean, just imagine being sent with a message from God to this people. I mean, this is like today, um, you know, God telling someone um, in Ukraine to go to Moscow, uh, or, or telling, you know, a, a Jewish person you know, to go to Iran with this message of mercy from God. Jonah thinks, what? These people? Nineveh was a pagan city, it was an evil city, and it was Israel's enemy, and it is surprising to Jonah that God is sending him there. Now, it's not surprising to Jonah that God is a merciful God. That's not surprising to him. What is surprising to him is who God wants to be merciful to. Uh, I'll, I'll ruin the ending of the story. Uh, in chapter 4, um, once Nineveh has repented, Jonah is very upset about this. And he makes clear uh, that he knows God's character, and this is all along what he feared. In Jonah 4, verse 2, Jonah said, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Jonah said, I knew you were merciful. I just didn't know you wanted to be merciful to them. And this bothered him greatly that his sworn enemies, these people that inflicted great evil on the Israelites, that God would show mercy to. Um, this past spring, we considered a, a, a famous verse in the Bible, Micah 6.8. And it's the famous uh, verse where God says that he requires of us to, to love justice, or to, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. And we consider those three aspects. And there's a great verse at the end of Micah that I think pictures Israel's understanding of God's mercy in that day. In Micah 7, verses 18 through 20, the prophet Micah says, who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives, listen, the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? That's who Micah understands God forgives. You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Interesting phrase, by the way, considering what happens in Jonah. Uh, you will be faithful to Jacob and show love to Abraham as you pledged on oath to our ancestors in days long ago. This is, is a wonderful celebration of God's mercy for Israel. The prophets understood God being merciful to his people. There's no sense here of understanding 
the wideness of God's mercy. That's what God is revealing in the book of Jonah, that God intends to be merciful to far more people than we want him to be merciful to. Now, God's mercy toward Nineveh was surprising to Jonah. And I think that God's mercy is surprising to us also. Uh, More than we realize, there are categories of people that all of us seek to run from. Now, that's different for all of us. Um, It may be a certain uh, group of people with a certain type of political ideology. It might be a certain group of people at work. It might be a generational group. But we all have people that we seek to run from. Truth be told, we're not all that merciful toward. We have disdain or mockery or hatred. To be human is honestly to identify ourselves by who we're against and who we're not. And more than we want to realize, we, if we look at this story honestly, can have a heart like Jonah's, a heart that wants God's mercy for myself and people like me, but not for others. But God calls us to mercy. He calls us to be merciful like him. So first of all in Jonah, what is surprising is this call to mercy, how wide it is and who it's for. The second thing that's surprising in this book is the need for mercy. I mean, the call to mercy is shocking, but so is the need for mercy. Uh, In Jonah 1, verses 2 to 3, uh, again, I'll repeat the call. Uh, God says to Jonah, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. See, the story begins with God calling out the evil of Nineveh. And then the rest of the story is primarily about the evil of Jonah. God says, I see and I care about and will judge the evil in Nineveh. But what is highlighted in the remainder of this book is the evil within Jonah. And this is shocking. I mean, it's not shocking that Nineveh needs to repent. What's shocking is that Jonah needs to repent. It's not just Nineveh who's in need of mercy. It's Jonah. And Jonah represents the Israelites, God's people. Actually, Jonah represents um, people who are insiders to God and his covenant. If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus today, Jonah represents us, the people who are insiders to God. So let's consider this need for mercy a little further. Um, I said earlier that it's not shocking that Nineveh needed mercy. I mean, in this story, Nineveh represents, I would call them, the unrighteous or the unmerciful lawbreakers. Um, If God has a law, they've broken it. Everything God says not to do, they've done. Um, It is obvious they are living outside of God's ways. Um, But the truth is, while they are accountable for their deeds, they aren't really aware of how fully they have disobeyed God because they don't have God's law. God gave his law to his people. The Ninevites do not have it, which is why at the end of this book, in in chapter 4, verse 11, uh, as God is uh, explaining to Jonah his mercy for Nineveh, he says, Should I not pity this great city, full of all of these residents who do not know their right hand from their left? That's what he says. He's saying, They're ignorant of my ways. Now, Jonah is not factoring that in. Jonah is holding the Assyrians to the standard that God is holding Jonah to. And I find this to be 
something pretty common for people who are insiders to God and his ways. We tend to hold others to the same standard that God is holding us to. And the scriptures are clear that while we are all accountable before God, there is a different level of accountability. That there needs to be mercy given to those who have less knowledge. So Nineveh represents unrighteous lawbreakers. Jonah represents unrighteous law keepers. Jonah represents unrighteous law keepers. Now Jonah may have kept the letter of the law, but he runs from God's heart. Um, matter of fact, the, the beginning of this story is so clear in how the author is telling it and what happens. Um, God says, I want you to go with my message to Nineveh, and Jonah goes to Tarshish. So let me show you on a map uh, where those two places are. All right, so you see over here, Nineveh is this red dot on the right. To get to Nineveh, you would need to you know, take a long journey over land, maybe on a camel. Um, you go that way. Tarshish is over in modern-day Spain. You get on a boat and go that way. So the exact opposite direction, in the exact opposite manner. God says, go this way. Jonah says, I'm going the exact opposite. He is running from the presence of God, from the call of God, from the heart of God. I mean, this story begins with the evil of Nineveh, and then quickly we get the focus on the evil of Jonah's heart. His heart is not like God's. And that's the great irony. He may be keeping a lot of God's commands, but he's nothing like God. He does not have a merciful heart. Jonah's actually the Old Testament version of Jesus' story about the prodigal father. Remember that story? Actually, I believe our dig kids and the toddlers are, are in that story this month. Jesus once told a story about a father who had two sons, uh, and then the younger son is the unrighteous lawbreaker. He does not want to be around his father's house. He, does not want to, he, he resents his dad's rules, and so he leaves home. After telling his dad he'd prefer that he was dead, he leaves home. But there's the elder son in the story who's kept all of dad's rules and then becomes very embittered as the story progresses because the younger son comes home and is shown mercy. And the great irony of this story is the story ends with the younger son being received into the feast and the elder son remaining outside. And Jesus told that story to explain to all the religious people why Jesus was hanging around with tax collectors and prostitutes, with unrighteous lawbreakers. Really, in a lot of ways, the Bible is a story of two kinds of sin. Unrighteous lawbreakers and unrighteous lawkeepers. And we're all one or the other. Jonah is showing us that neither person is merciful like God. The Assyrians were not merciful, and Jonah was not merciful. It is surprising in this story that it is Jonah, as well as the Ninevites, who needs to repent. Third thing, third theme we need to see, what's surprising about God's mercy revealed in Jonah. It's the provision of mercy. It's the provision of mercy. See, this story is not primarily a story about the surprising lack of mercy. Oh, there's plenty of focus on the lack of mercy here, but that's not the main point. The main point of the book of Jonah is on the mercy of God, who despite the lack of mercy of the Assyrians, wants to show them mercy, who despite the lack of mercy of Jonah, wants to show him mercy. God just can't stop showing mercy to unmerciful people. That's the surprising theme of Jonah. 
Um, what we see here is God's heart on display. So I want us to consider a little more fully uh, the mercy of God as revealed here in Jonah. But what we see in this story is that God's mercy is about deliverance from evil. That, that God wants to deliver us from our evil, though we don't deserve to be delivered from our evil. Um, that word evil, it's used nine times in the book of Jonah. And what's interesting, it's used in many different ways. Sometimes it is translated evil, as in the Ninevites' evil rose up before God. Sometimes it's translated disaster or destruction. See, evil can come in many forms. Sometimes it's the evil of our own actions, our own sinful actions. Sometimes it's the evil of what happens to us from others. Sometimes it's the evil of living in a broken world, storms, sickness, suffering. And what we see here in Jonah is that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord is delivered from all types of evil, from their own personal sin, from storm, from destruction. God longs to deliver people from evil. Not one person who calls out to God in Jonah um, does God abandon. Every person that calls out to God is delivered from evil. We see a deliverance uh, from the storm. Sailors are delivered. We see a deliverance from the fish. Jo God delivers Jonah from the fish. We see deliverance from destruction. That God is chasing after us with his mercy to deliver us. I love that we focused on Psalm 23 this morning uh, during our time of singing. Um, and we read through Psalm 23 and remember that line there towards the end? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That word there, follow me, it really has the connotation of being chased after. The psalmist is saying, surely God's chasing after me, hunting me down with his goodness and his mercy. We need to be reminded of this because we are prone to think the opposite, that God is hunting us down because he is so upset with us. And while we all will be held to account for our sin, God's intention is that he would shower his mercy on us, his grace, that we would turn from our ways and rest in his goodness and in his love. Jonah tells us about the pursuing mercy of God. I want to pause right here before going to the last point and just have two questions for you. Uh, first question, it's how in your life have you experienced deliverance from evil? Uh, how has God done this in your life? Um, Maybe it's he's brought you into a season of, of recognizing your own sin, your need of a savior. How did that happen? How, how did he give you that knowledge to come to a place of recognizing your need for a savior? Or maybe you've been in a season where there's been a lot of sickness and suffering and God sustained you and brought you through it. How did he do that? How did he sustain you and strengthen you? Maybe you had to walk through a season of suffering and death of a loved one. How has God been delivering you in the midst of this season. See, God delivers. He does deliver. And when we have eyes to see, we can trace his hand in our life, uh, chasing after us with his goodness and his mercy. How has he done that in your life? And second question, are you calling out to God right now for deliverance? Unless your life is perfect, and I've talked to many of you, so I know it's not, but unless your life is perfect, then you have reason to call out for deliverance for your own sin, for suffering, for sickness, for anxiety, for fear. I mean, the message of Jonah is that God loves to answer that prayer. I mean, our, our prayer team should be flooded 
with calls for people wanting God's deliverance in their lives. God loves to respond to the prayers of his people, calling out for deliverance. How are you calling out to God for deliverance in your life? I, I think all too often, um, in our, particularly in our stream of, uh, of Christianity, we get very um, intellectual, understanding all the doctrines of how God works, and sometimes fail to simply call out in faith. God, help here. I need deliverance with this physical ailment, with uh, this uh, situation at work, with this other relationship. God, if you don't show up and deliver, it's not going to change. God, have mercy. Have mercy. How are you calling out to God for deliverance in your life right now? All right. Last theme for the morning, all right? You, you still, still with me? Still awake? Yes. That was a resounding yes, all right. Last one. What is surprising about God's mercy in Jonah? It's the source of mercy. We've considered the call to mercy, the need for mercy, the provision of mercy. But what is, I think, most surprising is the source of mercy. See, as we read through Jonah, it begs the question, how can we become the kind of people who are truly merciful? I mean, we are either like the Assyrians, unrighteous lawbreakers, who are unmerciful, or we are like Jonah, self-righteous law keepers, who are unmerciful. So how? How can we actually become merciful? Because all too often what happens is these kind of sinners just become those kind of sinners. So how does the heart change happen so we become merciful like our Father in heaven? Um, if, you, uh, if, if you were to go outside today and watch an ambulance uh, drive by in the street, and you were to look at the front of the ambulance, what word would you see written across the front? Huh, there it is. Now, this is a very old school ambulance, so hang with me here. But anyone, anyone seen that before and wondered, why are the letters backwards? I remember as a kid looking at that saying, oh, you know, did someone not do his job correctly? You know, who, 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 who doesn't know what they're doing? The letters on an ambulance are written backwards. Well, why that is, as you well know, is that when you're driving and looking in your rearview mirror, then the words look correct, uh, like that there. In your rearview mirror, you can read properly the word ambulance. But if you're looking directly at the word, it's, uh, it's backwards. Maybe it'd be difficult to read. And in some ways, Jonah is like this, that we, don't, we won't get the real source of mercy just looking at the prophet Jonah. We must look at the person to come 800 years later, to whom Jonah points. And as we look at Jesus Christ, we then can look backward to Jonah, and what we see is that all through that prophet, all through this book, um, the gospel is being dripped out. But we only get it by looking at Jesus and then looking back. See, Jesus himself said this. Um, and Luke 24, verse 27, Jesus is walking after his resurrection with some of his disciples who don't recognize him at the time. And he begins to tell them, um, explain the scriptures to them. And the verse says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jonah's one of the prophets, all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Jesus is telling them and telling us, yeah, the book of Jonah, it's about me. But if you're to look directly at it, you, you don't necessarily get that until you look at Jesus and then look in the rearview mirror. The, the real hero of Jonah is Jesus. And this becomes even more explicit in uh, Matthew 12, 
verse 40 to 41, where Jesus says, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus is saying, I'm the greater Jonah, the truer Jonah, what Jonah should have been but wasn't. And as you read this through, read the book of Jonah through, looking at Jesus, this really comes out. I mean, Jonah was sent with a message of mercy to Nineveh, but he ran the other way. Jesus was sent from heaven with a message of mercy, and he came running. Uh, Jonah fell asleep uh, while in a boat because he was tired from disobeying God. Jesus falls asleep in a boat out on the sea, tired from obeying God. Jonah was awakened by sailors fearing for their lives. Jesus was awakened by disciples fearing for their lives also. Jonah was swallowed by a fish and went down to the depths for three days for his own sin. Jesus went down to the depths in the tomb for three days for our sin. The depths of the ocean did not destroy Jonah, and the depths of the grave could not conquer Jesus. Jonah preached a message of mercy to Nineveh and then retreated to a hillside where he sulked in his own pride and self-centeredness, praying for God's destruction over the city. Jesus preached a message of mercy and then retreated to a hillside where he wept over a city. And he said he longed to gather those people to himself as a mother hen gathers her chicks. He longed to shower those people with steadfast loving kindness. And he desired this so much that he ascended another hill, the hill of Calvary. And on that hill, he demonstrated God's love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, until we see how similar we are to Jonah, we'll never be surprised by the mercy of Jesus. And until we're surprised by the mercy of Jesus, we'll never become people of mercy like Jesus. And we need more than ever to become people of mercy. Mercy is one of those character traits that is so elusive. We find people like the Assyrians, unrighteous lawbreakers, and people like Jonah, self-righteous law keepers. People of true mercy are rare. And God longs for us to be people of mercy. A couple weeks ago, uh, Ralph Leo, as a missionary that our church supports, he came here and he preached a message to us, a powerful message about God's call for us to be people who share the message of Jesus with those that don't know Christ. And I know many of you were very impacted by that message. And Ralph talked about kind of the day, the cultural moment we find ourselves in. And I think he's right that we are in a day uh, where many people are leaving the church. We are, we are in a day where there's a lot of evil around us in the culture. And the question is, how will we respond to this call to be people who are sent like Jonah was sent? My prayer is that as we walk through Jonah, we will be surprised first by our own need for mercy. We'll be surprised by God's provision of mercy in Jesus. And then we will also be surprised by our opportunity to extend God's mercy to others. And some of those others will be people that we at first don't think deserve mercy. But this is God's heart. It is to impact a world through the gospel, which is all about the mercy of God, the forgiveness of sins because of the work of Jesus Christ. 
So I look forward to walking through uh, this book with you over the next four weeks. Uh, will you stand and join me in prayer? Lord, we are so thankful uh, that you are a God who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Thank you for not treating us as our sins deserve. Thank you for removing them as far as the east is from the west. Uh, thank you, Lord, uh, that you are continuing to grow us up uh, to become more and more like the one who died and rose and ascended. So God, we do pray uh, for this work of mercy in our lives. Uh, Lord, you know uh, where we need mercy developed. God, you know uh, the people and the groups uh, that we find difficult to love, uh, that we run from, and Lord, we know that's not your heart. So God, would you have mercy upon us? And God, I pray uh, that you would be at work in us individually and in us as a church. May we be a people marked by mercy. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.